I guess it's nine sharp, inshallah, we can start. Uh, Aisha, could you lead us with the Fatiha, please? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> So, thank you. So I'll go ahead and read the translation of the first four verses, and then our brother Salah from Yemen would uh, recite some more for us. So this is from Surah Sabah. All praise belongs to God, to whom belongs whoever is in the heavens and whoever is in the earth. To him belong praise also in the hereafter. He is the all-wise, the all-aware. He knows what penetrates into the earth and what comes forth from her, what comes down from heaven and what goes up to her. He is the all-compassionate, the all-forgiving. The unbelievers say, the hour will never come to us. Say, yes, indeed, by my Lord, it shall come to you, by him who knows the unseen, not so much as the weight of an ant in heaven and earth escapes from him. Neither is aught smaller than that or greater, but it is in a manifest book that he may recompense those who believe and do righteous deeds. <clears throat> there shall be forgiveness and generous provision. Uh, Salah, are you, are you able to come on? A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi alladhi lahu ma fis samawati wa ma fil ardi wa lahu alhamdu fil akhirah wa huwa alhakimul khabir يعلم ما يلج في الأرض وما يخرج منها وما ينزل من السماء وما يعرج فيها وهو الرحيم الغفور وقال الذين كفروا لا تأتين الساعة قل بلى وربي لتأتينكم عالم الغيب لا يعزب عنهم قالوا ذرة في السماوات ولا في الأرض ولا أصغر ولا أصغر من ذلك ولا أكبر إلا في كتاب مبين ليجزي الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات أولئك لهم Okay, thank you, Salah. And uh, here's the, the poem that Ibn Arabi begins the chapter with. If even the spirit is thunderstruck from his revelation inspired into him, 
then how will the skeleton of his light-blocking night be? God has stabilized his creations for Allah and made him flow as an orbit over his water. He is not an ocean having any shore. So where is the ultimate end reached for his names? Spirit is the parent of what there is. If you are perceiving him and witnessing him to be exactly his children, so do not be overjoyed by his coming to you and do not sit to rest your backbone. Glory be to the one who banishes our entities when we are ungrateful for his many blessings. Oh, how strange. Lo, we are ungrateful for them, while I, myself, am exactly one of his blessed favors. Thank you. Yes, those, those two last verses, you'll see how that is putting so much, it's so rich. Uh, glory be to the one who banishes our entities when we are ungrateful for his many blessings. And oh, how strange, lo, we are ungrateful for them while I myself am one of his blessed favors. So keep that very much in your heart and mind as we go through this. And among them, veils without disgrace. An example is his word. Verily, from their Lord on that day, they will be veiled. So learn that the veils are different categories. There are veils which exist between existent things. An example is his word. And when you ask of them, do so from behind the veil. And among them, veils by which the creation is veiled from God. An example is his word. They say, our hearts are under coverings. And among them, veils by which God is veiled from creation. An example is his sallallahu alayhi wasallam word. Indeed, God will shine radiantly on the day of arising to his creatures. Between him and them, nothing but a wrap of great majesty over his face. And in another narration, between him and his creation, there will be three veils. Or it is as he said above, that is one wrap. And among them, وَمَا كَانَ لِبَشَرٍ أَنْ يُكَلِّمُهُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا وَحْيًا أَوْ مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ It is not for the human that God speaks to him except by inspired revelation or from behind the veil. Thank you. That really gave the flow of how Ibn Arabi is speaking because, of course, he hears the Quran every time he is writing to these things. 
And uh, here's three other uh, verses that he wants us to look at. Aisha, if you could. It is as he spoke to Moses at his salam with a veil of fire and the tree and the right bank of the valley and the right side of the mountain and in the blessed spot. And we called him from the right side of Mount Sinai and made him draw near to us for an intimate conversation. I perceive a fire. I hope to bring you from there some information or a burning firebrand that you may warm yourselves. But when he came to the fire, a voice was heard from the right bank of the valley, from a tree in a blessed spot. Okay, thank you. So in the poem last week, uh, we had these two images of Hajar when she races between Safa and Marwa, looking for water for her son, for her child, and she finds Zamzam. And now, and we also had in that poem last week, this about Musa alayhi salam, when he goes to look for fire for the family and, and meets God, and then God speaks to him and, and Moses speaks to him. And so uh, Ibn Arabi uses this imagery often. So we had that last week in the poem, and we have it throughout the Futuhat. And Ibn Arabi tells us that if you want to find Zamzam, the water, the well of Zamzam, you don't pull out a ge geological map. You take care of the child. And when you're taking care of the child, then you find Zamzam. And you don't uh, say, I, I want to go see God and meet God and speak to God. And you don't, there's no way to go out and do that. But there is a way to look for fire for your family. And then you meet God and you speak to God. So Ibn Arabi uses this image often. This is how the world works. We take care of the children and those in need. We answer needs, we respond to needs. Um, and that response to the need is our divine activity. So then we return to our issue and we say, as for Moses, peace be upon him, seeking fire for his family was his exclusive occupation. So when he cited his need, and she was the fire which blazed from the tree from the right side of Mount Sinai, the true called him from exactly his exigency, according to what corresponded to the moment. And then the call is, Indeed, I am your Lord, so remove your sandals. Indeed, you are in the holy valley of Tuwa. I have chosen you. Listen, then, to the inspiration sent to you. <clears throat> He did not say when he inspired the revelation, indeed, I am I, Allah. So instead, he fixed firmly the first address to the call. The, that is, indeed, I am your Lord. So Rabb. And the Rabb, the cherisher, is the word for when the mother pats the head of the child to put them to sleep. That is called Rabbabti. So Rabb. So because he went out in order to acquire fire. So Rabb is calling to him because Moses is going to cherish and take care and nourish and foster and raise his family. And, and so that's the name that calls to him. I am the cherisher, the nourisher, the one who fosters. Or to find at the fire some direction, so information. And it is his word, I may bring from there some news. That is someone who would point him in the right direction concerning his urgent need. 
So this is the rope, his urgent need is the rope. And then because Allah is jealous, Allah says, those ropes are me. They are my names. So he was someone looking for something vis-a-vis -vis the call. His hearing, his hearing and his sight had been fashioned and prepared. So his sight was ready to see the fire. His hearing was ready to listen to someone who could point him to the right direction. And he was doing this for his family to cherish them and nurture them. So when the call came from the cherisher through a resembling matter saying, I am the cherisher, he did not deny or refuse the call. He affirmed it. You see, each variety of tajalli has a rule. And the rule of the call of this tajalli is the reading of the ears for what is coming. So he did not lose consciousness and he did not become concealed from his witnessing himself. So there's a, I didn't I decided not to go into that. It's a huge area. Rabbi looks at how the different uh, effects of the revelation on Muhammad sallam, on Musa sallam, on angels, on ants, on all the different beings when they receive revelation, how it changes. So that's will take us too far into one another direction. But this is the idea. Rab, he's going to cherish his family. So Rab speaks to him, the cherisher. He's out there looking for fire. And so when he sees Allah, he is not, he, he is prepared to see. And when he, he's hearing, he's listening for directions. So when he hears Allah, he had been prepared to hear. So those three factors made him stable to receive this revelation. And then Ibn Arabi says, remember when he saw the, when he also fainted when he saw the mountain pulverized. And so this is how he was stabilized. So this stabilizing uh, is something to do with veils then. <clears throat> and it, and that, by the way, this is my nephew in Bandidu Atoll in the Maldives. And it is as he said, so give him asylum so that he may hear the word of God. So God spoke to the asylum speaker from behind the veil of Muhammad You see, he was exactly the veil behind whom God speaks, as we saw before. You see, the asylum seeker was one of the idolaters. He heard the word of God from him, And we have no doubt that God speaks to us upon the tongue of messenger of God, just as also we speak from behind the veil of the one praying when he says, God hears the one who praises him. So when that person speaks from behind the veil that is God speaking, and then we speak from behind our veils when we say God hears the one who praises him. And this is Allah says on the tongue of his slave, Allah hears the one who praises him. Qala Allah ala lisan abdihi samiyaullah liman hamida. And then our cherisher, and to you belongs all praise. Rabbana walakal hamd. So from this, we know that the spoken and written languages of the world, all of them are statements of God and their division into categories belongs to God. So he annexes. So that's the grammatical. When you say the, the house, which is yours, that's an annexation. So he annexes to himself, whichever of these statements he pleases as he pleases. And he abandons whichever of these statements he pleases as he pleases.
So this is saying all of these statements are statements of God. Some are annexed to Allah as he pleases. Some are uh, abandoned as he pleases. But they're all statements of God. And so this is based on the, the Jalal, uh, very strong uh, hadith that, uh, um, that, that Sheikha was teaching us a few weeks ago. And this is the one that if all of you gather together and all of did good things, and each one did all the good things in the entire creation, that would not add to me in any way. And if each of you decided to do bad and did all the bad things that you could do in creation, none of that would subtract from me at all. So this is Jalal. And remember, we, when you hear Jalal, the Prophet always used Jalal with Ikram. And so let's remember that and we'll see that in a moment, inshallah. So this is the veil and the importance of the veil, why there is the veil. And Ibn Arabi is referring now to a contemporary of his. He says, do you see in the statement of Asayari, one of the great men of Qashiri's Risalat, he said, the intelligent find no pleasure in the vision at all. Then he elaborated and said, because the vision of the true is an annihilation, in her no pleasure. Now being addressed during annihilation is not valid because the benefit of an address is that it is understood. So Moses had to stay upright so he could hear the address. This is why he said, it is not for the human that God speak to him except as inspiration or from behind a veil. The human never ceases from having the property of humanness, just as with the case of Moses. The veil is exactly the image which called out to him from her. And the human does not cease from one's humanness. Even if one is annihilated from witnessing her, the entity of her being does not cease and the limit accompanies her. This is Ibn Arabi telling us we are blessed to be human because that means we are from Mother Earth and that means that we are always in Mother Earth. Uh, so when we pass away, we still have a tiny particle in Mother Earth. We are from and of and in Mother Earth. And this is why we receive revelation. So we don't say, oh, I could get rid of my humanity and then I could get be talking to God all the time. It doesn't work that way, as it probably will explain. And in fact, we said this because I myself heard one of the sheikhs saying, this is the lot of the human. So when he ceases from his humanness, his property is another property. So that's, you know, that well, I wish we could sh uh, shed this mortal coil, you know, get rid of this terrible body that's, that's making us not be able to uh, receive revelations from God. And it's the other way around. It's because you have a veil which is made from Mother Earth that you can receive revelation. And I explained to him, God be kind to him. See, this is Ibn Arabi also. He's not going to criticize the guy too harshly. God be kind to him that the matter is not the way he assumes. So when he verified for himself what I cited, he came back from this and said, I was assuming that the matter was only as I said. I did not pay attention to this. He had not spoken about this based on tasting the matter. This is where the error came about. So the Allahi.
since my heart became lost in you. Every cell is longing for you. Since my mind became lost in you, every thought is longing for you. Oh, lovers, ever, never abandon love, the beloved Christ. Never, never abandon love, for love alone is path and goal. Your glance alone shines through my eyes. Your breath alone flows through my lips. Your sweet perfume streams through my skin. Your love alone sings through my soul. Oh, lovers, never, never abandon love, the beloved Christ. Never, never abandon love, for love alone is path and goal. Thank you, yes. So the... The first veil, see, when Omar was reciting the, the veils, uh, there was one that he starts out with the veil that doesn't have this grace. And so the, this grace is the first veil that he's going to talk about. So we've put it down to the last here. Um, and this is the, the understanding that's, you know, through the centuries has been that this hadith is God has 70,000 veils of light and darkness. If he were to remove them, the radiant splendors of his face would burn up whoever or whatever creature was reached by his gaze. So God has 70,000 veils of light and darkness. If he were to remove them, the radiant splendors of the face would burn up whatever his gaze was reaching. Now, Ibn Arabi reads this quite, quite differently, uh, but let's look at some keywords: Subahat Waj. So Subahat Waj, the glorious face or the face glorious and exalted beyond. And, so this is from the lexicons, and the meaning may be the beauties of the face, because when you see a person a beautiful face, you say subhanallah. So subhanallah, oh, how wonderful, what a beautiful face. So the glorious face, uh, lexically or linguistically, can be God or the face, the beautiful face of create of a created person. And then um, the meaning of akhraqat, this burning away, is when you burn something away. And this is the imagery that I brought to you before, the movie projector and the film. So when the film keeps going fast, you get a new frame 15 times a second and you think it's continuous. But if the film stops, and you have the movie projector, and it people only, I guess, in my generation who know this, when you had a slide projector or a movie projector, and the slides sit there for too long, or the film stay there for too long, it burns away through. So that's exactly the image we're looking at. 
Now, the way Ibn Arabi begins this chapter after the poem, learn, may God assist us and you, that this alighting place is an alighting place of the sight-resisting veils and the repelling instruments. So like a curtain or a, a coat of armor, he'll say, is a repelling instrument, which is a veil. Among them, the veils of grace. For example, his word, that should be small h, sorry. Indeed, God has 70,000 veils, or 70 veils, the doubt is on my part, of light, light blocking. If they were stripped off, the glory of, in the third person singular, <clears throat> his face, would burn through whatever, third person singular, his sight, based on his creation, perceived. <clears throat> so we'll have to see how Ibn Arabi is, <clears throat> excuse me, completely seeing this differently. So, so the, the 70,000 veils, when the glorious face looks at them, they burn through everything that his, you know, Allah's sight looks at. But Ibn Arabi says, here there's a fine point and a gesture. In fact, the sight here is the sight of you, the creation for whom the true is your sight. So when I love my creature, I become the sight with which it sees. So this is the sight, the glorious sight that's looking is the true using your sight to look. So you are the one facing these veils. So the 70,000 veils out there, all this creation, you are the one facing these veils. And this one described is the you, the true is your sight. So your glorious face is looking at the creation. The true is your sight, but it's your sight looking. And you're exactly the glory of the face. You see, God will never cease looking at the world, and he has never ceased doing so and still the world has not been burned through by his vision of it. So this is one of those I stayed for, you know, a number of restless hours uh, at night going over this, and then it became so very clear that God has never ceased looking at the world, and he will never cease looking at the world, and still the film has not been burnt through. And so we now have to look for, so whose face is it? And whose sight is it? And Ibn Arabi says, it's your sight with the true being your sight. So the your means entity and the sight means adjective. So the entity is you and the adjective is the true. And this took quite a while for me to get all this in you know, into, oh, okay, that's how this works and that works. So, so uh, this is something to absorb and as you go. Now, two veils are the most tremendous, a meaning-based veil, and this is ignorance, and a census-based veil, and this is your veiling yourself. The most tremendous veil was the veil on the ascension. There are these two nests inside of a tree, on a tree, and they are being raised in this ascension, Gabriel and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then this foliating ray, this iridescence, this rainbow, rainbow of light, and who could describe it, which is called Rafrafa, comes to them. And immediately Gabriel faints. But Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stays the way he is. So he, peace be upon him, said, as for Gabriel, he fainted because of his knowledge of just what had been suspended to him, because he knew what that was. 
as for the messenger of God, he stayed in his state because he did not know what it was. So it had no dominion over him. Gabriel, Gabriel reported to him upon his regaining consciousness, this is the truth. He وسلم, said, hearing this, I knew his excellence, meaning the excellence of Gabriel, over me concerning knowledge. Knowing made Gabriel swoon, and a lot, lack of knowing made the prophet stay in his state, simultaneous with the presence of the vision in the two persons. This is the most tremendous of meaning-based veils. So this is how, when you see something, the person who knows what they are seeing has a completely different experience from the person who doesn't know what they're seeing. And this comes, we see this in our life down to every, the smallest thing. Uh, if you like, uh, you like sports cars and you see this car and you know what it is, you say, wow, the person who doesn't know what it is, they, oh, it's got four wheels and it's got some metal. So that's, the, that's what knowledge does for us. Okay, if Klaus could uh, read this poem, which is also coming in this uh, chapter. Now, as for your being a veil, veiling yourself, and this is the thickest of the senses-based veils, the speaker says, a secret appears to you, its secret concealment stretching out from you, and the dawn glimmers. It is you, you were the night darkness of who? You, you are a veil of the heart, veiling you from a secret of the unseen who. And if not for you, the secret seal would not be a seal over who. When you vanished, unseen, he alighted and launched in the heart, and the poles of who made the tent fast flush against the garden flank, uncovered. A speech has come, its listener never weary, its prose and verse ever desired eagerly by us. No one is placing a veil over you, except you. Yeah, this is, this. I think this, some of these verses are from Halaj, and I think there might be another one from someone else. It's, it's, it, I, I haven't been able to see all that. But this is who is camping, is making camp in your heart. And so the poles of who and the, made the tent fast, flush against the guarded flank, which is us. So we are a guarded flank. We're uncovered. And the tent poles are there to veil us so that we can be understanding and knowing and seeing and hearing who is camping out in our heart um, and it's so amazing so I have the hardest time with this with this poem the words are, are somewhat I mean for me they were very unusual or, or strange um, and I finally found to try to get some context to maybe understand it more uh, there's a, someone in the 14th century who writes who quotes Halaj also but he quotes it in the most that this was this is telling you don't be, you know, like those mystics. And, and it was, it's just very harsh and puritanical. And I was wondering where this came from. But it did help me understand, oh, these are the words. So it's, but the words, they are, when you know what they are saying, they say, wow, how beautiful. This is not something to be afraid of. <laughs> so now we've, we've got the, it's your glorious face looking at creation. And then the true is your sight burning through the veils. 
and the you is the entity and the sight is the adjective. You're the entity and the sight is the true. So it's the divine adjective. <clears throat> and we'll see why this comes out. <clears throat> As for the veils of grace, they are veils of compassion for the creation, veiling them from the burning gaze. So they are the veils which prevent the glories of your face from burning everything your sight perceives. The reason for this is that God has placed presumptuous claimants in the creation who are claiming that their entities are there and that being, even if it is beneficially provided, still it belongs to them truly. So these are ones that says, I am, and because I have being and it belongs to me, I'm my own self. And that is a presumptuous claim because they do not own their being. Now, if these veils were stripped off by Kashf universally, just as they are stripped off by Kashf specifically to some of his slaves, the beloved ones, the lights of his thought expressed as glories of his face would burn through whatever the sight, your sight, perceived. That is, your sight would perceive nothing but the being of the true. So when you burn through the veils and you will then see nothing but the true and all would be made to vanish, all that the claimants were convinced really was. Then clarified would be that all is the true, none but who. One expressed this being made to vanish by the term burning through as he deemed these lights and lights have the property of burning through. But he exalted makes the veils of the claimant remain in order to distinguish the family of God from them and others. Therefore, the enabled beings with the family of God in the place of their entity never cease being characterized by non-being. So we are always an entity and that entity knows that it is non-being. It does not have absolute being. It cannot hold on to its being. So we are entities who have no being. We do not own being. And in the place of their properties, they never cease being characterized by being. So the properties we have are the properties of the true. When we speak, it's because the true speaks. When we hear that Allah is Samia, he hears and he speaks and he does all of these adjectives, which we have. So we are entities without being with our non-being and we are adjectives, which are true adjectives. This is the, the true, just as he said, I am its hearing and its sight in the authentic report. He affirms the entity as belonging to the slave. So it's my hearing. He makes himself the very adjective, but I am hearing through his hearing. And so his adjective was exactly his being. So I am the non-being, which is, and he is the adjective which is moving and doing. Therefore, the entity of the enabled being is stable, affirmed, without actually being a place of being. And the being place of the adjective is stable, affirmed. And she is a single entity. If she multiplies her correlations, so seeing this, seeing that, hearing this, hearing that, then indeed she is many of in the correlations. This one sees, that one sees, the other one sees, the ant sees, the, the bee sees, the mountain sees, the human sees. So she is hearing and sight and so on, up to the entirety of faculties in the universe, and including angel, human, jinn, 
mineral, plant, and animal. Place, time, and sight. Intelligible and sensory. And there is nothing after this. So now we know who is working in all of this. So the written and spoken languages of the world. So everything we write, everything we say, all of them are statements of God. And their division belongs to God. He annexes to himself whichever statement he pleases as he pleases. And he abandons whichever statement as he pleases, which he pleases. Each breath is only prayer. Alhamdulillah, each step is only prayer, all praises are flowing to Allah, our master's ashki, in his ardent love we are free, our master's ashki, in his ardent love we are free. Each heart is only prayer. Alhamdulillah. Each soul is only prayer. All praises are flowing to Allah. Okay. So now we see that. So when the people who, who know when they are these non-beings non and they have the adjective, which is the true. So you look with your face and because it's the true looking with your face and eyes, you see and burn away everything in creation. So you burn away the veils and you say there is nothing but the true. There's nothing but the true. And so that is how, and so you see everything as the true acting. And so this is why the friends see only friends. So Ibn Arabi tells a story about a, a friend, one, one, of his, one, of his, uh, one of his friends, friends, who said, if all I see are friends, when someone comes to me and says good things about me, well, he is just projecting his own goodness onto me. So he is a friend. He's a wali. And when someone comes to me with bad, well, he is just counseling about my shortcomings. So he is counseling me from God. So he is a friend. He is a wali. So all I see are friends. And so this is, uh, okay, we'll get that later. So that's the burning away of the veils. We burn the veils, veils away by seeing that there is only the true. And then Baki can sing this alive for us. Empty of stars and air, 
secret of Nuruddin is that the veils get burnt away when you look through them with your glorious face, which is the face of the true, which is the sight of the true. And we mentioned earlier that the hadith that if all of you did all the good things, it would not add to me in any way. If all of you did bad things and got together and doing bad things, it would not subtract for me in any way. This is the Jalal. This is a very powerful statement. It's parallel to divine and spirit love because there's Ibn Arabi says the divine and spirit love and then there's nature love. So nature's love when is reciprocal and when you do things I like, I do things that you like and we go back and forth and we have this virtual, virtuous, uh, whatever it's called, virtuous cycle. Um, but divine spiritual love is there's nothing the beloved could do that would make the beloved more beloved to you. So whatever that beloved did more of, would, that would not make you love the beloved more. And then the other side, God then says to you, if you are the beloved, so there's nothing you could do, good or bad, which would make me love you more or less. And so that's the parallel there. Now with this Jalal, the Jalal is that, that takes away everything, takes away the entity. So Ikram is honoring and giving you the entity ability to continue. So Ikram is the veil which allows you to continue. So this is why he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, keep often to owe you full of Jalal and Ikram. He associates Jalal with Ikram. And Jalal is never mentioned in the sayings of the Prophet, except Ikram accompanies it. This is so as to preserve the surface trace of the creature and not banish its entity. Banish, go all the way back to the poem, that when we are ungrateful, our entities are banished. But when we are, and yet we are one of the blessed favors. So then the Jalal, who is the Jalal of Jamal, clothes you in all and gives you this veil. So the station is revered. It is what the lovers who are Arifun recognize in their selves. That is the magnification of the beloved. That this, the beloved, there's nothing the beloved could do to make me love the beloved more. And they prefer the beloved side over everything. So they look out and they burn through the veils and they see only the sifat, the adjectives of the true in creation. So God honors them with ikram, honors them because they prefer him over everything else. So do you see how all of this comes together? <laughs> and as a, maybe as a coda here, that this is my words up here, the dragoman, the one who conveys Tarjuman, Dragoman, the Dragoman of the mercy to all the world, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, will find the mercy in every verse and every law. 
So as I was, as I said, I was working to figure out this poem. I was having trouble with it. So I looked and I found someone else quoting Halaj and it was so very negative and oh my goodness. And then I was revert, I was researching this verse and all these commentators are coming, you know, very negative and oh my goodness. So, you know, that's why we have the dragoman of the mercy of the worlds. Some of them said to Muhammad Sallallahu between us and you, there is a veil and it is the heart coverings. So we have made over their hearts akinna coverings. So act, we shall act. That is act to remove this. And it is possible that their statements, so act, we shall act, is about lifting this and not what the commentators are saying. You see, they themselves were aware that their hearts were in coverings, veiled from what he was calling them to. In fact, they did not resist his statement and they did not reject it as others might believe, among others who do not argue this way. I am not aware of where the matter of these people finally returns, but they are occurring to me in a station of hopefulness. They are expecting Rahmah. And indeed, we know with certainty that the messenger worked to lift the coverings from their eyes, no doubt, such that he said, then I shall exceed 70. So this is said in response to the verse. Whether you ask for their forgiveness or not, if you ask 70 times for their forgiveness, God will not forgive them because they rejected God and his messenger. And just go to all the commentaries to see what, how that ends. The way it ends with Ibn Arabi is, he worked. He said, then I shall exceed 70. And this is why he said in the verse, woe to the idolaters. He did not say, woe to all of you, the people he's speaking to right there. All this points in context to the fact that they are going to be acting to lift the veil. They're going to try to lift the veil and to remove their hearts from out of the coverings. Now the coverings are plural because of the different reasons for their hesitation to accept what, was bringing to, what he was bringing to them. Hence, among them would be someone whose covering was envy and another ignorance. And for another, the moment was occupying him with what he was, according to him, more important until he could finish with it and attend to all this. And each reason is a veil. So these veils are compassionate veils and they will be removed. And we, people will try to remove them themselves. And you can ask forgiveness 70 times and those veils won't be removed. So the Prophet said, I'll exceed 70. I'll ask more than 70 times for those veils to be removed. So Alhamdulillah. Uh, and just a reminder that on Sunday we'll have a beautiful concert, inshallah. And if you need the invite, uh, I sent it out earlier. If you need the invite, uh, I guess put the uh, your email in the chat and I'll, I'll try to get the invite out to you again. So, okay. Um, thank you, Shuei. I believe this question is from Lewis. Thank you very much. Do you see a comparison possible between the Queen of Sabah walking into the water of the palace of Suleiman and the veils? Yeah, well, yeah. I was expecting this. Uh, well, we'll we'll see this elsewhere uh, when that when that verse comes up. But Ibn Arabi uh, sees the Queen of Sheba sees Bilqis as uh, 
understanding something very wise, and that is the ka'anahuhua, as if it is it. And Ibn Arabi says, this is actually everything we are trying to understand is ka'anahuhua, as if it is it. So the throne, it looks as if it is it. And um, this is this is what we are doing. We look and we see who. We say, this is a piece of creation. But it's a creation of God, and it's an unfolding of who, of the divine. So it is who, it is divine. And it's as if it is the divine, because it's also not, it's also, there's going to be another divine in two seconds from now. And so it's as if it is who, is the way everything is. Everything we look at is as if it is who. So, um, so that's, and, and the way to say that also is that because it's as if we have different experiences of this, of the creation of God, and each one of our experiences at every moment is different because God is never the same twice. And so if you think about this creation as a painting or as a musical piece, um, you might think that the music, if it's divine, it should have lots of, uh, you know, nice sounds and lots of euphonies. Um, when what we see is that, no, the, the creation has not just those ancient Greek Pythagorean harmonics, there's also dissonance and there's also silence. And when at some point when you love what you're hearing, then you'll realize I love what I'm hearing because there's dissonance and silences and euphonies. So all of those work together. And when you love, you love all of that. And you realize that if they were all just one note, it would all just be one note. And that would not be very lovable. And so if it's got the dissonance and the tension for the next thing, and I see someone on the mirror in the in the Zoom box has a beautiful baby uh, grand piano there. So I thought uh, this is, what we know is you play a certain chord, a dissonance, and it gets relieved by another one that makes, oh, that re resolves things. And so when we look at everything, it's all divine. Um, but some of it is dissonant, some of it's not dissonant, but as something that you love, you realize that this is the most beautiful could ever be. And therefore, none of the bad notes can take away from the music, and none of the good notes will add more to that music. Remember, as we see what we see, is there a practice to activate within us that are the non-being and that who is seeing through us at that moment after who burning the veils? Right. So the, the, the big one, of course, is um, we get called by ropes. So we have needs. So Hajar has a need for her child to have water. That need is a call, a madet, and it's a, it's a link. And that one tells her that she is non-being. She is not able to do what needs to be done. In that state, then the sifat, these adjectives of the divine, take over, and, she, and Zamzam appears. And for Musa salam, Moses is going out, and so he has a need, and that need is what calls him. And when he gets there, his need is answered, he gets fire for his family, and he gets uh, the divine to speak directly to him. 
And so in a sense, it's uh, these needs are the calls and the things that are, are hard for us and afflictions for us, um, just let's take this centuries or this last year or two, uh, if we look at uh, pandemic and climate catastrophe, these are, I was just thinking of the, the, the silly metaphor of like a phone. You got a phone ringing and it's ringing and it's a very irritable ring. And you say, you know what I really need to do is find a way to stop this ring from ringing. And so you find the button and you put and you turn it off. Well, that's not the solution to the pandemic or to climate catastrophe. <laughs> the call is there to answer the phone and say hello and says, you're not interacting well with other humans or with animals or with Mother Earth. You need to fix that. And so to fix that, that's why we have this irritation. That's why we have needs and that's why we have afflictions. It's so that we will call medet and make the connection between the creature and the divine. And so the practice is when you have these afflictions and we have them to personally and societally and with humanity at large, the animal world at large, Mother Earth at large, we have these, these difficulties which are calls. And so the practice is say, listen to the call and then find out what needs to be done. And so the way that we find God is that we take care of the needs that are there. And we take care of the child, we take care of the family, we bring them, we find the zamzam water is given to us and the fire is given to us. And then that is how we meet God. There are a few sentences stabilizing and being stable, e.g. the entity of the enabled being is stable. What does Ibn Arabi mean by that word stable? So stable, so a stabilized entity doesn't actually have being, there's only one being. So it gets that being for a moment and then the being is taken away and then the being is given back again. But you see, here's this stabilized entity, it's stable, so it can be and then it cannot be and it can be and it cannot be. So while it's not be, it doesn't just disappear, it stays there waiting to be. So once you are made an entity, that's you. You will never be out of existence. You'll be out of being in a moment and then you'll be back into being, out of being and back into being. But your entity is stable and uh, never, never leaves. And that's because being a non-entity is a pure evil, pure bad, and being an entity which can be is pure goodness. Is the she translation of who? Yes, yeah, so when we're talking about the who, often Ibn Arabi is saying the, the zat huwiya. And so both zat and huwiya are feminine nouns. And so the pronoun then becomes she. And then the capital S for, because we have the luxury in English of having capital letters. So, um, so he often talks about the inaccessible zat and he says she. Now, when he talks about Allah, he uses the word he. And this one, you can put capital H, and then Rahman, you can put capital H. But for the other divine names, we just put small h, e, because the divine names are, uh, their pronouns become he. Um, some of them, some of them become she. And so the, uh, the capital S one is Ibn Arabi's way of saying that now we are talking about Zat. So Zat is independent of the world. And then the names are, have a connection 
to the creation. So the names with their connection to the creations are not inaccessible and, uh, and essential. They are names. Can you please explain again, what are these veils? What exactly are they veiling us from and how to lift those veils? Thank you. So the, there are many kinds of veils. So the veils uh, from the, the, the male sheet of, the, the sheet of armor is a veil, the curtain is a veil, talk to them from behind a curtain when they're behind a curtain, that's a veil. So there's all of the veils that he lists the, throughout the Quran, Ibn Arabi lists all these veils. And the veils, the one that he's talking about when we looked at that slide on Jalal and Ikram, which you'll remember is from February 5th, <laughs> that uh, slide, that veil are the clothes. So we are the stabilized entity, which are, and we are clothed and veiled and clothed with a protective shield. And that protective shield is the one that can take all of these divine names and attributes. And so we need that shield uh, so that we can have a place where the divine can manifest. And if we didn't have such a place, then the divine could not manifest in us. And that's why humanness, uh, which is, which is the, the, that other sheikh did not understand until Ibn Arabi explained it, humanness is necessary because humanness is the veil that allows us to have a place where the divine manifests. And so without being a human, without being from Mother Earth, and without dying and having a particle of ours still in Mother Earth, we would not be able to be a veil that could then receive um, this divine revelation, the Tajalli. When you talked about the sight being Allah's sight, it reminds me of the story of one of the beloveds who could not look at people because if he looked at a pregnant woman, she would lose her child. So he would walk through the streets with his eyes on the ground. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's that story or that or that reference. Let's let's I'll I'll look at that in the in the chat later on. Okay. Could you say anything about God's self-disclosure in his aspect who, in contrast to God's self-disclosure as in his respect, oh, as in his aspect of so the names, the comprehensive name is Allah, which is the comprehensive name, which all of them are in there. And uh, so and each name, which, as we saw last week, each name includes every need that we had. So the stomach rumbling is a name because it's a call to Allah. It's a call to the who. And so everything is which is a need is a divine name so, and every rope is a divine name. So the rope in the imagery in the Arabic is sabab or rope is that you have a bucket, you put the bucket down the, the well and the rope pulls the bucket up. So the rope that pulls this bucket up is a divine name. The bucket which holds the water is a divine name. And the water which nourishes you is a divine name. So those are all of the ways that the creature interacts with the creator. The who is behind all of that, always in the unseen. And so when the who is from the unseen, manifests, protrudes, unfolds into the scene, then we have the vision of all of these divine names. So before these divine names are unfolded, protruded, 
and manifested, they are residing in the who, who is unseen. Last week, you talked about 124,000 uh, walls. Um, is it a number for the whole? Huh? Wallis, sorry, good. Wallis, 124,000 Wallis. Is it a number for the whole or regional? Yeah, I, I was. I was looking at a lot of these things and please use your your math to figure out these kinds of things. <clears throat> we know that the prophets are all came. Every language has their prophet. So if you look at languages and you say that each language will have its prophet. Now, these now the prophets who bring law, that's been finished. But the Wallis, the friends who are associated with these prophets, they're there today. And they're there, as Ibn Arabi says, in every generation. So every generation in every language group has their prophet and their wali, their friend. And so if you divide the number of languages into 124,000, you get a number and you get to start to see how many walis there are around us in every generation. And if you look at this regionally, you could also say regionally, um, you could say, let's divide the world up in a certain number of regions and divide that number into 124,000, you'll say in that region, we're looking at 120 or 150 or some number like that of friends of the Aulia today in this generation in that region. So it's uh, for me, it was, wow, there we go. And no wonder Ibn Arabi is saying that he, that he sends us this hadith from Hizr saying that I wake up every morning and think there's not a single friend that I haven't met. And that very same day, I'll meet someone who, know, who's, who I, I had not known before, who is a friend. So this is, uh, and so we need to keep our eyes open for all these friends. Uh, there are many of them around. Uh, they might not be typically uh, recognizable, and many of them will be malamia, which are the ones who don't do anything unusual so that no one notices them at all. <laughs> so look for the people you don't notice as well. So. Um, okay, uh, Omar has a question. Uh, you know, we're saying, we're saying that, that we are the sight through which God sees, you know, God sees through the world, uh, through us. You know, like, he is the sight. We are, we are, we are the vision. He is the sight. We are the eyes. He is the sight. Mm -hmm. We are the senses. He is the sense, right? Uh, or we are the faculties and he is the sense. And, and I, you know, like it's in a, in a way I understand from that, that Allah as, as the transcendent, you know, if, if we were to use that word, is the totality of all the seeing, all the hearing, all the senses in the entire universe. When you put it together, you get the transcendent. But when, 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 when God speaks to us, either through personal revelation or through prophets or through meditation, when God speaks to us, is it always the Rabb, the Lord, which is a specific to us? So he sees through us, he speaks to us specific, or does Allah, the totality, also speak to his servants directly? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that well, I'll just I'll just stick to Ibn Arabi's advice right now and tasting. So the the, the reason that Moses could was addressed that this is your Rabb speaking is because he was in the process of needing 
Rab, needing nourishment. Mm -hmm. And so the divine, so it is very, so the divine name, which is your need, your, your emergency, that is the divine name, which will then call to you. And then when you respond to that call, because you're ready for that call, then the revelation flows. And so, um, so each need will have a particular divine name because each need will be different. Um, and so those, it's the need that will, will come and there. And in that for, from that tasting there, the, the idea that what about the undifferentiated who, how does the who speak? And I'll just, have, I just have to keep that open. Um, the who can, can goes into a letter or a need or a name and speaks through that. And we say, it's as if who is speaking. Um, but how that works other than that, we'll have to keep that open. <laughs> Thank you, Amar. Thanks. So when one is, quote, sent back, quote, to this world, it's not rejection by who. It is an invite to, quote, look for, quote, who in the world. Yeah, so so being so sent sent to the world, we're 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 sent into a to hu humanness uh, for for a reason, and that is to to recognize. And if we were to have no humanness with us, we wouldn't have the veil, which would be like the film, the old day film that was that gets exposed by Tajelli. And so that film is necessary. Um, and so the reason that we get and the reason that we get banished is that when we don't see that we're seeing God, we are banished. And then when we, so we have, we haven't looked at our blessings, we get banished. And that's a beautiful thing because the moment we are banished, we say, I am a non-being. I don't have being. I can't take care of myself. I can't do everything I want. I mean, I don't have being. And at that moment, we are able suddenly possible is that the divine sifat can come and veil us. So to be banished is to is to be banished into our state of non-being, uh, that that we we don't have our we don't own this being and we don't own and possess anything. And so that's like when the man fell from the ship into the ocean, um, he just said, this is my fate. <clears throat> and he said, I don't <clears throat> have any ability or capacity, <clears throat> excuse me, to do anything about my fate. And so that at that moment, the bird takes him and says, I am your verse that you just recited. Beautiful. Um, what you said, dear Shuaib, in terms of tending to the needs of those around us, order for the inspiration of God to come, is there then uh, a then necessary kind of sutba we need to have at that moment with that particular Tajali, Majla, Allah, in order to find, find how he is inspiring us in that moment? What I mean to ask is, for example, had Moses been doing something not related to Al-Rab, say, could he still have seen the Almighty's inspiration in another way? Well, it would be in another, in another need and another divine name. But uh, so, yeah, there is no just, you know, walking around, minding your own business and boom, you get revelation. Ibn Arvi is telling us that you need to be readied and prepared. 
and the readying and the preparedness is that you are you are going out to do something you are helping someone you there is a need and you are answering that need you're responding to that need and that responding to the need brings up medet and brings up the imdad that string of ink that goes from the ink pot to the pen to the paper that has connection has to be made so it's like the wi-fi connection it has there has to be a connection between the ink pot the paper the pen and the ink when that connection is there then all of this happens and what makes that connection is uh medit help me i can't help my child help me what is it about mother earth that permits us to be able to receive the inspiration what does the earth in of us do for the soul to be able to receive from God? What is it about humanness? What happens when we're no longer human in the earthly sense to receive the instant in the Barzakh or beyond? Uh, to clarify what I mean to ask, i.e. angels seem to not be of earth yet are inspired? Right. Yeah, so Ibn Arabi says that, he says, you know, we are made of earth in earth and that we will always be in earth even after we died we are still in earth and he says this is so that we will automatically essentially always be receptive to god's tajalli that means we'll always be worshipful they will always be worshipful and he says if i did not know if we were not told that the angels are always worshiping god i would wonder how that could be because light is very powerful, strong, potentially arrogant. And he says, look at the angels. They all are, always are worshiping, but I don't know how. It's because their element, light, is not one that's necessarily conducive to worship. But earth is always conducive to worship. And it says that's why we are created in earth, from earth, of earth, and that we never leave the earth. So no matter what happens, we have our particles are cells. So every cell is longing for you. That means every earth cell is longing for you. And that whenever, wherever we are, we are having this earth cell, which is longing for the divine. And if we were to not have that, then we don't even want to think about that. So we are always with earth in earth. That's where we come from. And that's where we're anchored so that we can explore the vast earth. And Ibn Arabi says when he only when he said, I am going to die before I die. And then I could see that myself, my body was ever in the earth and would never not be in the earth. And then he explored and could go through the entire vast earth. When you say everything is in continual recreation, what happens to the previous recreation? What happens to the previous creations or the one gone before now? I forgot what Ibn Arabi says about purpose of life. God created creation to know himself. Only he can know himself, but he does it through us. So our purpose is to live extremely well. Yeah, that looks beautiful, yes. Uh, so for, for Ibn Arabi says that every, every particle of every moment is new. And then the next moment, there is a particle which is like the previous one or unlike the previous one. And then the next one will be like or unlike, like or unlike. So everything is always new. 
um, but it's always in a pattern. And it's so <clears throat> if you think about the way the pixels on a screen take place, the algorithm is one that says when they when they go from one screen to another screen. If you remember in the old days of computing, uh, if you had a you put up a, a JPEG and then you put up another one, it took a while for the computer to figure out where all the pixels go. <clears throat> so you can ask, <clears throat> how does streaming work? <clears throat> streaming works by an algorithm. It looks at each pixel and says, are you going to be similar or different in the next iteration? And the next one, are you going to be green or different? Are you going to be blue or different? And so all of these, this algorithm is giving us every particle a new pixel at every moment, which is like the previous one or not like the previous one. So that's binary. So it's on or off. Yes, no. And so all of this is happening. And then where does all of these things go that became? That becomes very interesting as well. Go back to the vinyl record. Again, this generation. <laughs> go back to the vinyl record. Each sound you hear when the stylus goes over is a new sound. And the next one is a new sound. And when you hear the new one, you don't hear the future one except a little bit. And you don't hear the past one except a little bit. And so, but they're all there. So what we are in is a, we are a stylus. Our life is a stylus which is going over something that has already been and already will be. And we are going over and living it. And so the the beauty is with of memory is that we can go back and play a song over again and see where that goes and see what the meaning is. And that's because while this is fixed, the vinyl record is fixed, the sound and the music and the meaning is different each time. And we know. More, and so that's why when I hear this, this one song and I say, oh, that's a nice song. And then 10 years later, I gain knowledge of something and I hear the same song and I faint like Gabriel. That's because I know the meaning of this song. So if every need is an expression of a divine name, the one who is aware or perhaps even unaware of their many needs is in a constant state of worship or, oh my God, the screen just closeness, jumped closeness, uh, a constant closeness. state of worship or closeness unity yes yes and that's why the minerals are in such good shape when it comes to worship because they they go where they're supposed to go and they stay where they're supposed to stay um and so we because this being comes to us and and we and i become on i get being then i might think oh this is my being i'm somebody and that problem uh, needs to be cracked and it gets cracked when I say, oh, actually, I couldn't do I couldn't answer my need. I couldn't resolve my need. Therefore, maybe I don't have being and then I am. And so I am in need of. And so to be to recognize that I am in need of is to be in a state of worship. And so for it not to be worship, love. Uh, so is, is this is the same word It's the same uh, idea that we worship and we love and we realize that we don't have what we need and therefore we we need what we need we need what we need and so that is worship um, and so when you so going out for the fire for Moses going to look for water for her child um, that is that is worship and you say but it doesn't look like religion it doesn't have to look like religion it is worship 
Are we the ones banishing ourselves because of ego, our veils? Yes. And so these people are the presumptuous claimants. The presumptuous claimants. They banish themselves. In a sense, they say, I'm, I've got what I need. I don't need anything. And that actually banishes them because when they come up face to the reality that they do not have everything and they are not all that there is. And so uh, then they, they realize that they've, they've come, to the, come to the end and that is a banishing and, and that is what they need to know. And Abhumadhyan says, no one enters the garden with a speck of arrogance or of ego. And so this is the, this, the flashing swords that cut the head. Uh, these are the ones that, that we need to take all of that out. So when we get all of that, then we are in the garden. And so we are in the garden the moment we know that we have not a speck of being that is mine, myself. And that's la ilaha illallah, because that means that there is no God separate. There's no being outside of the being. And so la ilaha illallah, and that recognition then is the secret of Nur ad-Din from the alive. Is earth, is earth then an element of humility? So Ibn Arabi says earth is the, is the picture of humility because the lowest of the low step upon the earth. The lowest of the low step upon the earth. And so, and she accepts people stepping on her. And because she accepts people, she's the lulan, which is an which is an intensive Arabic word, be not even humble or abased or humiliated or low. It's extra low, intensely low. And that then Ibn Arabi says is that's what we all want to get to. We want to become that Mother Earth so that we then all of the things that we truly want, which is to reflect the divine. We get that when we have not a speck of, of arrogance inside of us. And when we have not a speck of arrogance inside of us, we are in the garden. Is the vast earth confined world or is it the universe or something else? Yeah, that's a very open question. So, the, so Mother Earth, Earth, Ibn Arabi says in the cosmology, you have a cosmology of the throne, the footstool, Jupiter, Saturn, galaxies, all of that, that cosmos. Mother Earth is actually on the lip of that. So she's not completely inside, nor is she completely outside. She's on the lip of that, this well of the cosmos. And, uh, and that's because she is the vast Earth. And so when we are in this fold, which is both inside and outside of the cosmos, then we are in an earth, a vast earth, which is far, far bigger than the cosmos. And you could say it's exponentially 16, uh, 10 to the 16th larger than the cosmos. And that's where you roam and that's where you wander and that's where you go in the dream. And you can only go there because you're asleep in the world and you're dreaming or you're died and you are in the world and you're dreaming and living in the other world. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, don't interpret anything negatively, always interpret and predict positively. This could be a way to make the next existence positive. Yeah, that's, yeah, and this is, this is the beauty of, of well, and this is, I'm just, you know, now kind of, it's seeing it clearly even more and more, uh, these last few days, that the reason Ibn Arabi is so different from everyone else, and the reason he doesn't come from any 
you know, Sufi or mystical tradition or Islamic tradition uh, is because he's outside of that. His function is the dragoman of the mercy of the worlds. And so therefore every, he will write 2,500 pages of legal opinions and legal discussions to show that each one of them has mercy inside of it. And he'll look at every single uh, place and say, where is the mercy in that? Because he is translating for the dragoman for the mercy of all the worlds. And so, and then the, the human Muhammad Sallallahu is then the manifestation of this divine light of the Nur Muhammad. And so that's why Ibn Arabi is different. And that's why every time he gets to a place, he says, this is how it goes. And when he comes to the verse that everyone is saying, look, these people are not going to be forgiven. God says he's not going to forgive them, uh, even if the Prophet asked 70 times. And so Ibn Arabi says, but watch. The Prophet said, I will exceed 70 times, which means that Ibn Arabi says, you know, that means they are in a place of Rahmah. Is there information in the veil that we can access according to our stations? There we go. So that is reading the divine name. So what, so when you begin, when you see the veil, uh, the veil, uh, the, the, the light hits it. So when you see a projection screen, the light hits that. There's a remnant that takes place. There's a trace that takes place. And we've talked about that, that the word for kalima, word, like be, and it is, kalima comes from kulma, which is a wound. So when the word comes to us, we don't just sit there and take it, we are wounded by it, and it makes an impression on us. And so when we go over that wound, we go over the, 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 the impression, and we feel that impression, and it's tender, because it's been wounded by existence, it's been wounded by B, and it is. That B took us out of non-existence. Of course, it's going to be a powerful statement. Of course, it's going to be a powerful force, and it does injure us, it wounds us. So we go over that, and we say, this is pure good because I am and I used to not be and but it's also wounding and tender. Ibn Arabi explained to us the reality of Stendhal syndrome way before it was given a name. Okay, Omar, you got to give me more of this Stendhal. I thought that was just a novelist, right? Or French. Oh no, that's that's exactly that. Stendhal syndrome is when you go to a museum and you see a beautiful painting and you faint. Oh, because it, it you get overwhelmed the whole yeah. thing. You saw it and then and you faint. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's wow. also called Florence syndrome, I think. That's another name for it, but, but it's exactly that. What happened with the? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just. I mean, look in your own life. It's just so amazing when I, I, you know, I go back to, you know, and so I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll say a verse or sing a song or something and say, don't you see what that? How what? how that song, what that really means? Well, of course not, because I, it, I didn't see it when I first saw it either. And how many times have you seen someone and then years later you say, that's my beloved. <laughs> so you real, so it's, it's knowing that is everything. <laughs> Are we perpetually, no matter what we may be doing, fleeing from who, seeking refuge in who? Yeah, so that's, you know, there is no, there is no institutionalized or institutional solution. So there is, uh, because just the way there is no institution of making love always exist. You can't institutionalize uh, 
love. And so in the same way, we are meant to receive the bee, receive the divine name, be tender and wounded by it. And then we are made to forget. So just go back to the film, you know, the, the next roll of film has to keep coming down. The next frame comes up, ready again. And then that frame has to go out again, has to forget and say, okay, here I am ready again, divine name again. So we are made to forget so that every time we see, we see fresh, we see new. And that's why the prophet opened his shirt and said, I'm opening the shirt to the rain because it's new from its cherisher. And so that's why we forget. And that's why we offend. And if we didn't offend and say, please turn to me, I need help. And Allah says, I would go to another people, they would offend and they would ask for forgiveness and I would forgive them. Is there anywhere to place a, an eye for ourselves? Is it in the entity? Yeah, so that's, I, you know, I guess I get that this morning and yesterday a lot. Um, there's, there's an eye which includes the intellect, the soul, and then, but for Ibn Arabi, all of these are single entities and, they, and there's no divide, and there's no thingness. And so Ibn Arabi says, when he talks about leadership of the woman in the Salat, he says, you are a entity, are a, a, a whole cosmos. So you could say that's the I, I am this cosmos. And Ibn Arabi says, in this cosmos, you are a man, an intellect, a woman, a soul, an unruly child, a hawa, a lower soul, lower self. So all of that is in the cosmos of I. And I can't say I'm going to get rid of the intellect in me, or I'm going to get rid of the child in me, or I'm going to get rid of the woman in me. That's, that's not the way we do things. It is a single cosmos, a single I. And I can say the man can lead me, who I, the man who I am can lead me, the woman I am can lead me. I just want to make sure that the unruly child doesn't lead me. But that doesn't mean that I want to get rid of the unruly child. That's always there. The Prophet had the unruly child. He just didn't let it rule him. The friends have these unruly children in them. They don't kill them. They just don't let them tell them where to go next. And so that's that, that entity of the I, which is a, you are a cosmos. That's so beautiful. And you are a cosmos. So integrate yourself, make sure all of it's working together. And so integration and the integral, that's, that, that is, that's who we are. And I guess that's where we say I too. So we don't, and we definitely don't say I, and we touch our head. So that's like, I'm the man, I'm the intellect. And we, but we usually say I, and we touch the heart because the heart is in a sense, the, 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 what's the, biology, mitochondria, or whatever, it's the engine for the entire cell, which is the engine for the entire cosmos. So I can point to my heart as a metonym for the cosmos who I am. So the command to us is be, but the end purpose is to know that we are non-being. Yeah, to know that the be that came to me came from the one it came from. And it's not mine. It didn't, it's not mine to control and I can't get it again. And so it's to, to know that this being, which I am, is you. And so that is, so the first and the, the one that goes, pervades throughout the universe, throughout time into timelessness, 
that one is that the creation of this light of Muhammad and says, and the light of Muhammad says, La ilaha illallah, there, I'm not somebody, there's not somebody else, there's only you. And then that you says, and you are the messenger of this reality. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Shuaib. Okay. Oh, wait, we've got one more question. Okay. There's time. <laughs> peace and divine, <laughs> peace and divine ease to all of you. Thank you so much for this. Allah knows. Just to say that the word for earth ground in Latin is uh, humus, humus, humus. The, the, the words human, humility, humiliation, etc., come from the Latin humus, humus. ceaseless yes. blessings. Beautiful. Yes, yes. So there, there it is. So, so because in a sense, it's, it, it, we need to banish ourselves. And, and it means I, I say, you know, if I really want to be where I want to be, which is up high and great and all these wonderful things, then it's through the humility and it's through it's through humus or whatever way it's pronounced. And it's the, the beautiful peat moss of reality. So there we are. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. very much. Thank you. Rahman. Be well. Be well. Thank you. Be well. See you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Cecilia's got a sun just in the sun. <laughs> Beautiful. Good to see you, Nora. Thank you, Hamida. Thank you. We had we had uh, sun shining through the snow this morning. Through the snow. Wow. <laughs> so the so snow says, right. I have a right to be, and the sun said, I have a right to be. <laughs> Gonna both be <laughs> good. Alhamdulillah. Wonderful, wonderful. Good. Uh, okay, so I'll try to get all those uh, emails out and, and Sunday, uh, the concert by Farida. Hey, Shwe. Yes, 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 yes. I just. <laughs> so what time is that? Uh, what time is that uh, in uh, Mexico time? I've got yeah. Mexico time, mountain time, yeah. 10 p.m., 10 p.m. So Hamida North yeah. will also be 10 p.m. 10 p.m.? Wow. No, okay. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. And then it's it's late afternoon oh, okay. in Europe. And, uh, and of Gloria, do you remember, is it 6, 6 p.m. In, in Netherlands? I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. 8 p.m. in UK. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll be one hour earlier in UK, right? You'll, you'll be five no, eight. Oh, eight. Okay, so that'll be. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, so yeah, so watch watch your little times. Quick question. Yes, yes. If you don't mind. <laughs> you may have covered it, or is there somewhere? Um, I just wanted to know if Ibn Arabi made explanations of the positions of salah like hands up mm -hmm. um standing <laughs> sitting sujood yeah, yeah. So i just want to know how he's understood it so that we can when we pray mm -hmm. we can 
feel the awe of praying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all coming out in volume three, and uh, and volume three is is uh, in the printer right now. And so uh, Mustafa says that it should get from the printers over to here sometime in June because it takes quite a while. But uh, he does go through positions of prayer, and and it's and there are so many. I'll just give you one that just to kind of whet your appetite. Um, you notice that sometimes you'll go to the to the ground with the two hands out right away, and sometimes you go with your two knees first. So one is you go with the knees first, and one is that you go with your hands first to the ground. And the words for hand are generosity, giving, and the words for knee, iktisad, uh, I think, are the same as like economics, like being very careful with your resources. So when you are feeling a little bit withhold you know want to be very careful with your resources you'll go knee first into into such the when you're feeling very generous and open expansive and easy you'll go hands first into the onto the floor so and those mm. so that the truth of that in the salat is in the words themselves yad and iqtisad. omar is that is the knee iqtisad, right is that right uh I, I never heard. Iktisam, iktisam, maybe. No, asam, asam. Uh, I, I know it as, as, as in, I know it in the Syrian Arabic, it's, it's rikbe. Yeah. But, well, I don't know what it is in the, in the, in the uh, classical Okay, Arabic. we'll look for that. But it's so, so it's so beautiful. Yeah. So take that, so watch yourself and you find out, and, it, and it's a mirror for how you're, what's, what divine name is going through you. Are you feeling generous, mm -hmm. open, easy, everything's possible? Or are you, I've got to be careful. I've got to, you know, husband my resources. <laughs> so... One oh, little bit of information I'd like to pass on, it's really nice, is when you're in the sujood, yeah. is when when the the God says that I am more closer to you than your jugular vein, yes. is when your heart is above your mind. Yes, good. The station of the heart is above your mind. Yes, good. Yes, yes. yes. And then, by, and then, by the, the way... Yeah. And then, well, just quickly, then, and then the, the forehead, we put the forehead, which we think is our, our intellect, our most, the best part of us, we put that down to Mother Earth. And that's healing. Ibn Arabi says that's healing to Mother Earth, is that when we put the arrogance of ourself and put it directly onto her, flush against her, and that heals yeah. Mother Earth and it heals us. Yeah, Omar. No, I was going to say that uh, Michael Shodovic's book, Ocean Without Shore, there's a whole chapter which he summarizes Ibn Arabi's exposition on the different positions and movements in the Salah, including the significance of the standing up, which is the divine position, the one. And that's why you recite Quran, God speaks through you. Yeah. The sujood, which is the, 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 the uh, animal position, which is the animal reality of ours. And the ruqah, which is the barzakh, which is the in-between, which combines the two realities and, and he explains in details the different movements and the significance of each thing. It's ocean without shore. Is yeah. the, um... And Omar, you were saying, what about Qayyum? And do we take on the name Qayyum? And that's another way that Ibn Arabi says it. He says, the second time you stand, that's absolute slavehood. Because you're standing because you're told to stand. And then you are Qayyum. Right, right. right. <laughs> there we go. Good. All right, everyone. Take care. We'll see uh, Juma soon, inshallah. Okay.